This, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by the man himself, Mr. Greg Crumpton. Greg, welcome to another episode, sir. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. I'm uh, I'm not far from you, about three hours, I understand, in my car. I'm over in yes. Austin, Austin, Texas today. And I'm uh, here for a trade show to uh, connect with some people who I've known forever and um, just see what's brewing in the cooling side of computers. So gonna gonna be a good day. And uh, even a greater way to start it off by having a really cool guy join us today. Absolutely. Well, speaking of brewing and cooling, I think that that is uh, two things that are near and dear to our guest's heart today. It is Trevor Matthews. He's the founder of Refrigeration Mentor. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Well, Tyler, we are, we're super honored. You know, uh, we were talking just a bit before you hit go that uh, Trevor just came off of a uh, Canadian. So in the U.S., we, we have the ASHRAE AHR show. And in Canada, they have the show that Trevor was at last week. I'll let him. I, I don't remember the acronym. But, man, everywhere I looked on social media, I saw Trevor's head. It was like this whack-a-mole Trevor. So he, he's coming <laughs> off of a uh, super-duper productive week last week. So welcome, yeah. Trevor. Glad you could join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. I always love uh, interacting, meeting new people, building new relationships. And we actually started this one through a good friend of mine, uh, Jamie McMullen from Kick-Ass Careers, which I'm a part of, I'm an ambassador of. And it's uh, such a small world when you start to network and build relationships with different people and how this is all because of the refrigeration industry. So I love yeah. it. Well, the the story with Jamie, and she she is a dear soul, just really cool. I started following Jamie a while, I don't know, God, five years ago or whatever. I was in the middle of nowhere and I walked into a diner one afternoon before I was heading to the airport and there was a lady and two guys sitting at a table and the the lady had on a, a well a uh, ironworkers t-shirt and uh, I said, "Oh, that's so cool because I've got a friend who's an ironworker in Canada." And she's like, is it Jamie McMillan? I'm like, of all the people in freaking Canada, you come up with her name? I said, yeah. And so that just shows you, Trevor, like you were saying, man, the, the power of the network is, is just really stout. And um, I, I'm, I'm here in Texas for the AFCOM, A-F-C-O-M show. And um, I was talking to a good friend of mine last night, Lori Garland, who works for ComNet Communications. They're a Comscope uh, dealer or, or uh, partner. And uh, Lori was talking about her network of interpersonal clients and, and business associates and, and how that group of women has just become like they're rock solid, man. And they, they all feed off of each other. And I thought, you know, that's what this is all about. What we do on the podcast is, you know, you tie all those loose ends together. So, well, look, you've got a new company, uh, Refrigeration Mentor. And I, I mean, why not jump in there, Tyler? I think we, we should learn about it. What do you think? I think so. I would love to learn more about Refrigeration Mentor. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, so Refrigeration Mentor started uh, last September because I have a huge passion for helping the refrigeration industry. I love helping others. I love 
seeing people grow and develop their skills and get better at the things they love to do. Because I was a mechanic in the field for many, many years. I've done lots of different things, traveled lots of different places because of refrigeration. But I've seen a huge need in the commercial refrigeration space um, that there is a massive void. And this is throughout the world. It's not only here in Canada and the U.S., but there is a massive void in the commercial refrigeration industry for education, especially continued uh, development and professional development education for uh, refrigeration professionals. And what Refrigeration Mentor is all about is about training, education, and mentorship. So I have a lot of different programs that I've designed and developed for technicians and contractors. What I try to do is work with a, a refrigeration contractor to help build their teams so what I'll do is I'll work with the, t the technicians and I'll find out like what skills they have, what they're really good at, and then what do they need work on or what they'd like to see work on. And then I build programs around that to really help uplift that company, really get those technicians motivated, get them out there being able to fix the problems the first time. Find the root causes out. And then, you know, just really work with them, build that relationship over time and help them grow professionally, personally. And that's what I really like doing. Well, you know, there, there's so much data out there floating around that people perform at their maximum level, whatever it is for them, whatever their max is. They really are able, able to achieve that more rapidly and with, with more overall long-term success through mentorship. You know, I'm a product of it myself. When you have someone who is in a coaching, nurturing, you know, all the way down to popping you upside the head when you need it to get you back in line for the sake of your long-term success, you know, it's accountability is what it really comes down to. Yeah. I really like working with the different technicians because we're a very unique industry and there's so many different personalities. And I like when I can help the light bulb go off. You know, that's one of my favorite feelings. I really transitioned over the last few years because I did work for a company called Emerson for seven years. I was the lead trainer for Canada. So I did, I trained thousands of technicians and tens of thousands virtually. But I really transitioned into, into my business where I really want to work directly with the, those different contracting businesses because they're struggling out there. It's hard to find uh, good trainers on commercial refrigeration systems, you know, that really understand refrigeration and who also really want to help mentor and really help those technicians get better. Because I see it all the time where, you know, technicians are day in, day out, you know, in refrigeration, you're working all the time. I've done it. You could be working 12, 14 hour days, seven days a week. So it's not easy to find time for, you know, learning a bit more, you know, taking that time after a 12 hour day to spend a half an hour reading. And I really focus over the last few years on personal development. So I spend, I've been reading so many books. I've been, you know, I've been going to motivational events. I've been going to personal development events. I've been taking Dale Carnegie course. I went to university again to become an adult educator because I know I have a passion to helping others and I need to figure out the best way to help the different personalities in our industry. And I really thrive when I start to see people progress. Yeah, well, that, 
There's no doubt you you have a passion for it, Trevor. If anyone follows you, which I do on different social media platforms, th- this is what you should be doing. I'm totally convinced. And I, <laughs> I mean, we've never met in person, but we've we've had numerous you know chats over time. But it, it comes through. So there's one thing that really struck me, and I can't remember when you told me this. It was either last week. We we talked on the phone. I think Friday. Um, about another deal. But you said, and maybe I read this, but you said that you basically had lost your 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 joy a few years back and that you have now found it again. I think, and I'm paraphrasing, but I think that that that's close to what you said. So tell tell us a little bit about that. I'm I'm I was really struck by that. Yeah. So uh, it was a post that I put up about uh, losing motivation and stuff and for what I was doing. And uh, because my previous role, I really enjoyed it because I was, I was helping uh, people where I can, I could. But I was spending a, a lot of years not having any direction. It was like I was just drifting. You know, there was no goals. Before I became a refrigeration mechanic, my goal was to become a red sealed refrigeration mechanic. So, you know, I spend years doing training, working at companies, servicing units and just building it. So I had a goal to work towards to get to. And then over the years, I had different goals where I got into, you know, I wanted to get a gas fitter license. So I worked really hard. I got my gas fitter license and then so on and so forth. And I, then I get up to a point to a few years ago and it's like, I'm just doing the same thing. There's not really a direction for me. I'm just drifting here. I don't have any goals where, you know, what's my aspirations at that point. And I took it on to myself and it's like, nobody's going to do this for me unless I do it. Unless I, you know, grab the horse by the reins and, you know, take it myself because it's only me that can do it. And this is, and then I started to realize like, if I want to get better, I got to invest in myself. Because yeah. I didn't really do that over the years, especially when I was in my technician years in the field. It's like I was just going to work and just doing my thing and going partying and traveling, which was all fun and great. But I wasn't working towards anything. I spent many, many years just doing things, but there was no goal towards the things. A lot of fun things, I'll tell you right now, a lot of fun things I did. But there was I wasn't working towards anything until a few few years ago when I really started, maybe even five years ago, I started thinking about personal development. I need to my skills need to get better so I can help others. And it's really turned the point when I started to think less about myself and more about others. Yeah. Because I was always like, it's about me. I gotta make more money. I gotta provide more for my family. I gotta, you know, I gotta have a bigger house, more material things, all this stuff, which as a refrigeration mechanic, it's if you're smart with your money, you can have whatever you want. We make a pile of money. But I got to a point where I was thinking, like, I need to help more people. How do I do that? How do I affect change in others when really you can't change anyone but yourself? But if I can help guide other people, like refrigeration professionals, if I guide them to, you know, to a place where they're happier to a place where they're excited about refrigeration, to a place where they want to excel yeah. in especially refrigeration. That's really when it started to, to unfold for me. And then really it's service, serving and, you know, looking out for others, helping others. That's really what I'm, that would turn the point 
from that, that situation where I was just drifting to where now I'm trying to help others excel. When I see other people's, you know, crushing it, you know, they're out there being rock stars day in, day out, trying to be the best them. That's really where I excel. I mean, it's profound in a way because what, what you described to me is you get into that complacency rut, you know, where you get up, you go pound out your job, you get off work, you go do whatever, you know, you want to do hobby or whatever. And you just get in that rinse repeat cycle. And, you know, and having been in the field myself for years, we, we do miss the opportunity to develop our careers because we're so busy doing other things. But I think that that's also a sign of our immaturity as, as men, especially, I think women have a whole lot better handle on how to do this better, quicker, and, and, you know, with more grace. But I think for us guys, um, like I'll speak for me, I couldn't really think all that well until I got to be about 30 or 31, two years old. Because in your 20s or in my 20s, I was working like a fool, man. I, I made a lot of money. I learned a lot. I went to a lot of places, just like you, Trevor. You go to the, you know, you work, you go to the hotel, you go to the bar, whatever. But you're not really doing anything that is going to prepare you for the next 20 years. You're looking at the next 24 hours as a young kid, as a young person. Yeah. And what I think as I've gotten older, I wish that I could figure out a way to help our younger brethren and sisterin figure out quicker how to get over that spell or that period. But you also don't want to to rob anyone from that because you need that period of time to grow and experience and mature and go through life. But you wish they just kind of hurry up and get through it where you could really help them where you're at now. Like, open up the door and say, okay, the, the world's your oyster. Let's go. And, um, but it, you know, I mean, you couldn't tell me, Greg, at 27 years old, a damn thing. You know, I knew everything I thought. And that's just where we get, especially, I think, in a service role where you're a 27-year-old young buck, got cool tools, cool truck, working for a good company, and there's no one else coming to help you. So you're there to repair the situation, talk the customer off the cliff, get them calm back down, get the machine working again, and then go to the next one and do that over. That's all good character building stuff, but it's really, to your point, you're compounding knowledge a little bit at the time instead of making these huge leaps in compound knowledge. But I don't know. You, you, you got to go through crap. You got you to gotta get scar tissue in order to make you more resilient on the other side when you finally get to the point to where a Trevor can help. That's my view anyway. I really think back on, on the things that I've done um, and I'm starting to reflect a lot more, which has really been helping me, which I never did before, as well as try to be in the present moment, which other things I didn't do before. I was always thinking ahead, what's next, what's next, what's next. And I'm really focused on, 
helping younger people or even newer people getting into the industry to make a bit better choices, hopefully, um, with instead of wasting a lot of time at the bar, which not always wasted a time, but I spent a lot of time there. I learned a lot from the technicians I was with because we'd have good conversations. Sure. But there was a lot of time that I could have been spending investing in reading stuff, reading biographies, reading on personal development, because we're not taught as a technician a career path. We're taught about, okay, get your first year, get your second, third, fourth year, you know, and become certified or get your ticket and then there you go. The world's your oyster. But in reality, we're not all going to be able to do this for 30 years. Right. And we don't all want to do it. Most of the technicians my age, they want to transition, but they didn't spend any time over the 20 years in the trade working towards that transition. You know, thinking about, okay, I'm going to take a $40,000 pay cut. I can't do that. I, 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 my bills, I'm, I'm living paycheck to paycheck now at 120 grand a year. Right. Because you're not taught how to use your money wisely. Like you go to the store and just, oh, I don't have my drill. I can't find my battery for my drill. I'll just buy a new drill. You know what I mean? That's, that's the way we think. Instead of putting it in, the, uh, in a place where you can find it, for an example, and you have seven drills, or just really investing in that career path, there's nobody doing that. Like yeah. sitting them down day one, say, okay, where do you want to see yourself in 10 years? They're just looking for a job. And you know, you're, you're, I'm just looking for a job. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what happens in 10 years. I just need to get this job to get started. But good companies, you know, they say, okay, let's see what you want to do in five years. And then repeat that. Have monthly talks with them. These technicians are getting dropped the keys in their hand just like me. Okay, go to start a service call. You know, you walk into a rack room, nothing running. Your heart's pounding, you're sweating, you're almost crying at 2 o'clock in the morning because you don't know what to do. You know, you're stressed right out. And I really want to take that stress away from technicians. But I also want to teach them that, you know, there's so much more to refrigeration than just being a technician. And it's not just being a technician. Being a technician is amazing. I loved every second of it. Working all the places I did in Canada, overseas, it was so fun. Meeting different people, understanding the different technologies. But there's a point where I don't want to be working 14 hours a day, you know, Making 130, 40 grand a year doesn't matter at this point. I got small kids I'd like to be with on the weekends or in right. the evenings. So how do you transition from making 140 grand to 80 grand? It's, it's difficult. I did it. So I know it's not easy and not everyone's going to do it. But if you can live on 130 or 140 grand, you can live on 80 grand. There's people out there living on less, way less than that. Yeah. So how are they doing it? So do you have to downside? Maybe. Do you have to get rid of the five cars in the boat? Maybe to get started. And then figure out the way to go. Not everyone's going to think like that. They're just going to want more and more and more. But I really think working with the, the younger people or the newer people and talk about the career. You know, after 10 years, maybe you want to get into sales. Oh, I don't like sales. I don't want anything to do with sales. But you're selling yourself every day as a technician. Yeah. You're out there talking with the customer. You're selling yourself. You're selling your company. Um, so you need to understand that and think about what's going to happen or where your, your direction. Do you want to own your own business? You may be working for a great contract at this point, but you may be in 10 or 15 years, you want to run your own business, be an entrepreneur yourself. I really think that we should be helping guide these students and these new people about finances. Yep. When all of a sudden you're making 110, 120 grand a year and two years ago you were making nothing. You know what I mean? How, how to you know, set yourself up to become 
a project manager, sales, engineering role, going back to university maybe for something else because that's what I did. I went to university college. I went into the trades. I went back to university because I believe in education. You know, So how do we help teach them that there's multiple pathways you know, throughout a refrigeration career. That, that, that's well said. And, you know, if you think about it, the typical route for a service guy, technician or service lady technician, you do your thing in the field, you excel, and then you get promoted to service manager. But there's only so many service managers, A. And B, we as companies do not uh, – trained very well for the service manager's role. They're like, okay, you're really good in the field and you can, you know, you're, you're freaking MacGyver, but we want you now to be a service manager, but we're not giving you any tools. Just like, okay, here's your desk. Now become a super manager. That's not fair to them. It's not fair to the company. And it's certainly not fair to the customer. You know, we, that, because they're the ones that wind up with the brink of, of, you know, having to solve the problem a lot is the customer, not the technical piece, but the other pieces. Yeah. And I've seen that multiple times too. When I talked with uh, business owners, like, yeah, I just hired my, you know, I got my lead technician, put him in the service manager. He quit in six months. Yeah. Well, you didn't make the right choices. You need to spend years on practicing that stuff and getting them into courses. I'll tell contractors right now, get them into a Dale Carnegie course, you know, public speaking, get them into a personal development course where they can talk to their technician. It's different talking one-to-one with a technician than now all of a sudden you're, you're not one-to-one. Now you're the service manager. You know what I mean? So you talk in a different way. You got to look out for the technicians. Now you got to, you got to really, change that tone in a way that you want to help them grow and uh, service like the best service technician, like being able to fix every problem. That's not really your role anymore. And I've seen that where they're always going out, going out to do the jobs to help the other technician and burns themselves right out, right out of that role where you need more of a people person in that role who is a bit technical. But once again, you need to train them into that role. That's right. Talk to them about it and see what the different stresses are compared to being a stress as a technician. What's the stress as a service manager and how do you overcome those stresses and what do you need to do? And it's all about development, right? And that's where that career path from day one needs to be focused on, which I even think a lot of careers aren't, aren't uh, focused like that. Well, one, one thing that I think is important that we as an industry don't do is we don't have financial classes for uh, non-financial managers. And one of the best classes I ever took was at a local community college after, like like you, Trevor, I went through the technical side and then I went back to school at night to learn a bit of basic accounting. And um, the class was called Basic Financial Understanding for Non-Financial Managers. But man, what a great course it was because now you know, I didn't come out of there with a CPA ready to sit for the CPA exam, but I came out understanding uh, a lot more than I did going in because as a technician, a lot of times you you understand your cus- you, your company charges a customer $130 an hour, all right? And you're making $30 an hour as a tech. So is the company profiting $100 an hour? As a young, immature mind thinks, yes, they are. 
an older, more experienced mind who's had some education and exposure says, no, uh, let's think about it. Truck, pension, uniform, tools, um, insurance, liability, vehicle. I mean, you name it and you start stacking up this burden cost. You realize that there's not a lot of profit left in that hundred dollars that we thought that there was left in there. So I think it just kind of gives the the technical uh, mind a little bit of insight to the financial world. Uh, Trevor, to your point, the the soft skills, how to communicate, uh, verbal, nonverbal, you know, all the things you learn are so freaking important when you hang your tool bag up because your tools carried you for so long when you were in the field. You know, you could fix stuff and everybody forgave a lot of your, um, you know, not nice qualities that you didn't even know weren't nice uh, because you were the man who could come in or the lady who could come in and fix it. You don't get that grace as a leader. You you are expected to come in and set the tone uh, for your company or your person or whatever you're doing. But yeah, the, the technical piece is, is one piece of the pie, but there's a whole lot of slices in there. Yeah, no, I was at that that point too, Greg. Even when I was younger, exactly like that, thinking that oh, the the company's making this amount of money, and I've heard so many techs over the years talk about this, but they just didn't know because I I didn't even know myself, right? And I really believe that uh, you know thinking oh I need it because I used to think oh I can't wait to get that four dollar an hour raise. That's what I was working for. Oh, getting four dollars an hour raise because I had the wrong mindset. I was still thinking about the money. I wasn't thinking about the future. You know, the rich people are rich because they make their money work for them. We as technicians can do the same thing if we're smart. May take 20, 25 years, but we got to work towards something. That's once again, drifting. If you're just drifting along, it's going to, it's going to take a lot longer to get where you want to be because you network with more people, you, you know, build these relationships, you know, you get the skills, you know, get those soft skills, which are the hard skills to get, you know, you develop your technical skills, you meet new uh, manufacturers, you meet new suppliers or wholesalers, you meet new technicians at other companies, you build these networks to start learning more, you know, and we do need to help teach and educate the younger generation in all trades about financial literacy, you know, start saving some of your money invested in maybe into property or into companies and all these different things where you do your, your career, your job where you make money, but have other streams of income coming in too. It could be $20 a month from one place, $500 a month coming from another place, $50 a month from another place. But if you have a hundred of those, that's a pretty good wage on top of working, you know, but you got to work towards that and it doesn't happen overnight. I was, I was in the mindset for a long time about this get rich quick schemes. You know what I mean? Cause they were coming everywhere about 10 or 15 years ago and they've always been around, but I was in that mindset. How do I do this? And so I drop a bunch of money and nothing would come from it because I was not in the right mindset. And it's about, you know, learning from other people who have done it as well. That was one thing, like coaching and mentoring was something I never thought about. I'm like, who would pay for something like that? Who would go to a coach and pay thousands of dollars for a coach or thousands of dollars for a mentor? Like that's, that's just ridiculous. 
And now, now after I did it and I learned about it, like the coaches can teach you how to do something way faster. They can give you the motivation. You know, they can help you, guide you to where you need to be. And it's not going to be every one. You, you might have to go through a few of them. Same with a mentor. When you find a good mentor, you stick with them for a while until you absorb as much knowledge as you can from them to move on to find another one. Because that's what real, true mentors want to do. They want to help you become smarter, better, faster than they are. Because that's what, that's what our, our goals as a mentor. I want them to be better. Because if they can go out now and share that knowledge, that means I help this person share with that person and then that person and that person and just continue to uh, explode that knowledge and share that knowledge throughout the world. Yeah, good point. Good point. So I've been thinking a lot lately, and I've, I've had it written down in my notebook for a while, and I've been looking at it, and I, I can't decide whether to write a blog about it or if I'm just enjoying thinking about it. But there's four words that I've got written down: job, career, passion, and obsession. And if you look at people in their role and what they do and how they do it. I've been having a good time the last, I don't know, it's probably been a month or two that I've been doing it. But I think when I meet somebody, like on an airplane yesterday, talking to my seatmate, you know, you kind of pick up a little bit of what, what they do, what, what their motivation is, why they're coming to Austin or whatever. And you start, I start thinking like, is that a job? Is that their career? Are they passionate about it like you are with mentoring? Or has it become an obsession? And, you know, a lot of people put negative uh, connotation behind the word obsession, but I don't think it has to be negative. I think it can be a healthy obsession. Uh, so it, I don't know what all that means yet. I, I can't figure out what to do with it, but I sure have enjoyed thinking about it and and even seeing people in transition when, and, and Trevor, to your point, having that light bulb moment, you know, when you're helping somebody with a problem or you're mentoring or coaching and then they have that aha, you know, you, maybe that's the chasm between job and career. You know, maybe you watch that bridge develop. So I don't know what to do with that other than put it out here into the universe and see what, what, uh, what cooks up with it. But I think that there's something to that. And, and it also has to do with the, in a chronological order of, you know, when you start out and, and you have those desires, as you said, Trevor, to have the car, the boat, the, the, you, you know, ATV, whatever you're, you're buying and people typically buy on credit when they're young. Um, how much of that do you do? How much do you reel it back in? You know, a lot of that depends on how you were raised. If your family was credit averse or whether your family lived off of credit, you know, there's so many freaking variables. And then you jump over to the service manager's role. Now you got to manage all those folks who are thinking in 25 different ways because they were all raised differently. They have a different belief system. And, and then we say, okay, you're the service manager, no training, go handle this mad chaos of kitten herding. No wonder the guy burns out in six months, you know? Yeah. No, and it's, it's just really important to understand where you're at. I think over the last few years, I've been pretty grateful. I'm re actually really grateful for the things that I have where before I was probably not grateful for the opportunity to have a 
warm home, live in a great place, have great friends and family. You know what I mean? And I think about that more and more now. And the more that I'm grateful, the more the world gives back to me. The more I serve others, the more the world gives back to me. And I really think when you, you get that light bulb moment, and it took a long time for me. It took a long time. I figured I would get to this point many, many, many years ago. Uh, where I feel very passionate about something. I'm, I'm happy. I'm positive. And I, I really think everybody can get to that point, but you do need to find what you like to do. Uh, yeah, once again, you may have to change some of the things that you do that you don't even know you're doing. Cause I do that a lot. Uh, and it, so lucky. I have such a beautiful wife who has helped me with that over the years to point out like, Trevor, do you know that conversation you just had and and talk about it and then have the conversation about the conversation where it's like, oh, seriously, that's that's the things that I've did and said. And then I worked on it. You know, it's hard. It's really it's hard to do the hard things. Well, we, we've talked about this book recently on the podcast. Uh, it's called Radical Candor and um, being able to have an honest conversation in a non-threatening way in a, a non-accusational way, but being able to speak, you know, and my wife, Trevor, God knows she's a saint, uh, 36 years coming up. Uh, we just had 36 years. And, um, you know, she she's very graceful with me too, because she'll say, you know, basically, it, this is how I hear it. She doesn't say it like this. She says, Hey, moron, don't say it like that next time. <laughs> and, you know, she says it much more gently, but it really makes you think about, okay, how did I just communicate that? And what was my intent? And I, I find myself having good intent, but I also find myself because I like to, I, I have no patience. That's one of my struggles in life is, is developing patience. And everything does not happen on, on Crumpton's timetable, although I wish it did. And so I'm generally answering a question in an expeditious manner to to speed up the whole process. But it typically comes off with me being a wiener head because I'm just trying to get it out there, you know. And but, you know, Tyler doesn't care about my schedule. You know, if, if we're doing a project together. And he's got his his deal. He's working. I've got my deal. I'm working. I can't expect him to act on my mental time frame because he's on his. And but the mature thing for me to do is say, hey, Tyler, look, here's what I'm thinking on this project. How can we get this done in the, in the quickest manner so that I'm happy, but it doesn't kill you? And just that 20 seconds of conversation can save so much crap, but we're not trained to do that. We're trained to, you know, we, we try to be cognizant of everybody's communication style and everybody's listening style. I get all that. But even, you know, we do these disc profiles, which I like. I, I think it's really helpful to know who we're dealing with. But if I know that Tyler needs to hear something a certain way, the, the onus is on me to tell him in that manner so that he hears it the way he needs to hear it, not the way I want to speak it. And I think, you know, it, just by having that little bit of moment of pause 
in the front end and think through what I'm trying to get accomplished is so much better than being the wiener head. Well, that's one thing that I learned when I've taken a Dale Carnegie course is something just like that. And it's really understanding the other person, listening to the other person. That's one thing that I've been working at for years and I will continue to work at is active listening. You know, what is that other person really saying? And what, when they're saying it, why are they saying it that way? And am I taking it out of contest on the way I'm thinking of it? So it's a, something that you continually work on. And one of the things for your situation with Tyler is, you know, you got to let him think it's his idea to get that work done quicker. Is that, so is that, that's oh. you got to figure it out, Greg. <laughs> well, see, thank you, Trevor. I, I, I learned a new uh, technique this morning. So. <laughs> so Tyler, you know, you always have such a cool way of analyzing our, our thoughts when, when we're here. What, what you hear too, you know, refrigeration, air conditioning guys talking about vapor compression, which we're passionate about <laughs> of, or even obsessive about what, um, how does that resonate with someone like you who is not in our industry uh, or our world? How does that sound? Are, are we like off base with this or? No, well, one of the things that I, I wanted to ask about and maybe talk a little bit about is that, you know, you're talking about things that you're passionate about and being passionate about your work. But I know Trevor is also passionate about homebrewing and trying beers in different cities and that sort of aspect of things as well. Um, and I'm curious, Trevor, how you've used that as a way of sharing, you know, sharing this passion and mixing it with your other passion of of refrigeration and how maybe you've mixed those two and how those relationships, I guess, can can be strengthened over a beer at a trade show or something like that. And so that that's one of the things I'm curious about is how, how you blend those two those two passions together and whether or not they've ever kind of crossed paths at all. Well, that's a that's a great question. I probably need a couple hours to talk about it, but but yeah, he but, needs a uh, beer, Tyler. He needs a yeah, beer. Yeah, it's true. I know. I come from a, a culture of uh, of beer drinkers, and uh, but I, I had a real passion for craft beer. I think it started maybe nine years ago, and uh, while I was traveling and. Going from just really bland water tasting beers to something that has a lot of flavor, mm-hmm. body, mouth feel, <laughs> um, really, you know, helped me connect with a lot of my refrigeration friends because we all like to have a, a beer. But a few years ago, I actually started to do some home brewing because I'm like, why not try it? I can I can fix a massive supermarket store that's not working, <laughs> or I can work on CO2 refrigeration. Let's see if I can make beer. So I started to, to just play a little bit with a small homebrew five-gallon systems. And then about, i say about four years ago, I met a guy. I was going into actually a brew contest, a beer contest. It's called um, GTA Brew, uh, brew Fest. And I needed a cap capper to close the beers, right? Because I was just putting it in kegs at the time. So I drive up to this guy's house and I'm looking for a capper and we get in a great conversation about beers, craft beers. And um, I actually left with a bunch of stuff, probably about $100 worth of stuff. And he's like, no, no, you don't have to pay for any of this stuff. So I got my capper. I went into the contest. I didn't I didn't win the, in the contest. But we built a relationship. We started talking. We talked about craft beer. We talked about family. And we got to know each other. And about a year later, he was like, you know what? I, I'm thinking about buying a brew house. I'm like, Oh, yeah? Well, that's very interesting to me. So we actually drove down to, where did we go? Chicago, maybe? 
went and picked up a one barrel system. And then we really started brewing. And last year, like he's so passionate about brewing last year, he started a brewmaster course and he's actually now a brewmaster. So when we talk, he's like way above me. He's talking <laughs> science, water quality, flavor. And like, it's just amazing to see his growth as, you know, now a brewmaster working at a really large brewery here. And he's focused now on uh, to start his own entrepreneurial business. You know, he's like, I want to get some, you know, some time in with the commercial breweries. And now he's, but he's like, I know my goal. I want to open my own craft uh, brewery and I want to have families come and I want to have food and I want to have fun and enjoy the time with people and re build relationships. So really that's some of the, the story of it, but lots of great beers, lots of fun. Very cool. Cause that. yeah, you know, so we, when I do, uh, part of my job at Service Logic is, is making sure that all of our safety folks around the country, uh, are, are cared for and, and, you know, try to educate, uh, or, or build educational opportunities. So twice a year we have a big, uh, get together. And what has become tradition for us is we try to do a, a walking tour of a brewery now. And so we do the tour. Uh, or we go to a brewery and, and, you know, we try to have a, a, a flight, you know, where they can sample different beers and what have you. But that little little nook of, of, of time on the last afternoon has become really good for the group because, you know, we've had uh, two days together and we've talked about a lot of stuff, whether, you know, fleet safety, driving, you know, the whole deal, arc flash, what have you. But that little bit of time at the brewery over a beer just is such a, 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 I don't know, it's a genuine setting for people to be at peace, have a conversation with some folks maybe they didn't get to sit by, you know, during the week and learn with. And they just get back and kick, together, kick it together. And typically we're on a deck and the sun's out because we do one in the spring, one in the fall. And just a really good time over a beer. So. That is good stuff. And, um, Trevor, I, I, I'm looking at the clock here and I can't believe our, our uh, I always say that but I, I got to quit looking at the clock, but, um, you know, a, as we start to wind down this, uh, this conversation, it, what really strikes me today is your passion for helping other people. And I, I so much appreciate that because sharing knowledge and, and transferring knowledge and, compounding knowledge is just such an important piece that we do as society. People don't do it enough because we're all caught up in our got to get here, got to get there. But you're making a concerted effort and intentionally doing it. I, it's just to be applauded. So uh, congratulations for your, your commitment to doing it. It's really cool. Um, Thank you. I think you doing it as a, living, you know, making a career of it now with Refrigeration Mentor is just huge. And I, I'm pulling for you and got fingers and toes crossed that everything continues to go well and um, that you you find your, your groove because uh, it's so fun to start a company and it's so fun to grow a company and um, look forward to watching yours continue to grow because you're sure coming out of the gate strong, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate those kind words. I'm excited. I know it's it's going to be very successful. And uh, really what my goal is to make a lot of other people successful.
And that's what I want to do. Fantastic, fantastic episode and fantastic conversation. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us here on Straight Out of Crumpton today and talking a little bit more about what you're doing and what the future looks like. It's been uh, it's been a blast having you on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. If anybody ever wants to reach out to me, they can head to my website, refrigerationmentor.com. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. I just started Instagram. I was down in uh, Florida at Brian Orr's event and I met uh, HVAC Tactical. He's like, Trevor, why aren't you on Instagram? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I got to get on there too. You know, Next is going to be TikTok and whatever else is out there. So just keep at it, keep growing, keep helping. I love it. I love it. If you figure out how to actually use TikTok, let me know because I that, that's that's beyond me somehow. But yeah, but check out refrigerationmentor.com as you heard Trevor mention and uh, and get in touch with Trevor if you have questions, if you want to reach out and learn more about the work that he's doing, the amazing stuff that he has going on. So check out the website, Greg. Another great episode in the books, but we have more on the way, man. How are you feeling? Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm just I'm uplifted, a, and inspired that that we have people in our industry and in our our human race that want to do this. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a requirement, and for somebody to commit to doing it uh, full time, it's it's inspiring. That's I'm, I'm flattered that he joined us, and and um, yeah, good stuff, good feelings. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Well, for more conversations and stories like what you heard here on the podcast today, make sure to subscribe to the podcast straight out of Crumpton. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can find the uh, the podcast. And you can also go to gregcrumpton.com for more. So stay tuned for that. But for this episode, for our guest today, Trevor Matthews, and of course, Greg Crumpton, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.